part seven the doge and doges section one from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part seven the doge and doges section one this was the title that distinguished in the art catalogue of the works exhibited by the berlin academy of arts in september eighteen sixteen a picture which came from the brush of the skilful clever associate of the academy c kolbe there was such a peculiar charm in the piece that it attracted all observers a doge richly and magnificently dressed and a dogess at his side as richly adorned with jewellery are stepping out on to a balustered balcony he is an old man with a grey beard and rusty red face his features indicating a peculiar blending of expressions now revealing strength now weakness again pride and arrogance and again pure good-nature she is a young woman with a far-away look of yearning sadness and dreamy aspiration not only in her eyes but also in her general bearing behind them is an elderly lady and a man holding an open sunshade at one end of the balcony is a young man blowing a conch-shaped horn whilst in front of it a richly decorated gondola bearing the venetian flag and having two gondoliers is rocking on the sea in the background stretches the sea itself studded with hundreds and hundreds of sails whilst the towers and palaces of magnificent venice are seen rising out of its waves to the left is st mark's to the right more in the front san giorgio maggiore the following words were cut in the golden frame of the picture to go on the sea with the spouse of the sea when loveless i be is no comfort to me one day there arose before this picture a fruitless altercation as to whether the artist really intended it for anything more than a mere picture that is the temporary situation sufficiently indicated by the verse of a decrepit old man who with all his splendour and magnificence is unable to satisfy the desires of a heart filled with yearning aspirations or whether he intended to represent an actual historical event one after the other the visitors left the place tired of the discussion so that at length there were only two men left both very good friends to the noble art of painting i can't understand said one of them how people can spoil all their enjoyment by eternally hunting after some jejune interpretation or explanation independently of the fact that i have a pretty accurate notion of what the relations in life between this doge and doges were i am more particularly struck by the subdued richness and power that characterizes the picture as a whole look at this flag with the winged lions how they flutter in the breeze as if they swayed the world oh beautiful venice he began to recite turandot's riddle of lion of the adriatic dimi qual sia quella tirabil fera etc he had hardly come to the end when a sonorous masculine voice broke in with kalaf's solution to quadrupede fera etc 
unobserved by the friends a man of tall and noble appearance his grey mantle thrown picturesquely across his shoulder had taken up a position behind them and was examining the picture with sparkling eyes they got into conversation and the stranger said almost in a tone of solemnity it is indeed a singular mystery how a picture often arises in the mind of an artist the figures of which previously indistinguishable incorporate mist driving about in empty space first seem to shape themselves into vitality in his mind and there seem to find their home suddenly the picture connects itself with the past or even with the future representing something that has really happened or that will happen perhaps it was not known to kolbe himself that the persons he was representing in this picture are none other than the doge marino falieri and his lady annunziata the stranger paused but the two friends urgently entreated him to solve for them this riddle as he had solved that of the lion of the adriatic whereupon he replied if you have patience my inquisitive sirs i will at once explain the picture to you by telling you falieri's history but have you patience i shall be very circumstantial for i cannot speak otherwise of things which stand so lifelike before my eyes that i seem to have seen them myself and that may very well be the case for all historians amongst whom i happen to be one are properly a kind of talking ghost of past ages the friends accompanied the stranger into a retired room when without further preamble he began as follows it is now a long time ago and if i mistake not it was in the month of august thirteen fifty four that the valiant genoese captain paganino doria by name utterly routed the venetians and took their town of parenzo and his well-manned galleys were now cruising backwards and forwards in the lagoon close in front of venice like ravenous beasts of prey which goaded by hunger roam restlessly up and down spying out where they may most safely pounce upon their victims and both people and seigneury were panic-stricken with fear all the male population liable to military service and everybody who could lift an arm flew to their weapons or seized an oar the harbour of st nicholas was the gathering-place for the bands ships and trees were sunk and chains riveted to chains to lock the harbour mouth against the enemy whilst there was heard the rattle of arms and the wild tumult of preparation and whilst the ponderous masses thundered down into the foaming sea on the rialto the agents of the seigneury were wiping the cold sweat from their pale brows and with troubled countenances and hoarse voices offering almost fabulous percentage for ready money for the straitened republic was in want of this necessary also moreover it was determined by the inscrutable decree of providence that just at this period of extreme distress and anxiety the faithful shepherd should be taken away from his troubled flock completely borne down by the burden of the public calamity the doge andrea dandolo died the people called him the dear good count because he was always cordial and kind and never crossed st mark's square without speaking a word of comfort to those in need of good advice 
or giving a few sequins to those who were in want of money and as every blow is wont to fall with double sharpness upon those who are discouraged by misfortune when at other times they would hardly have felt it at all so now when the people heard the bells of st mark's proclaim in solemn muffled tones the death of their duke they were utterly undone with sorrow and grief their support their hope was now gone and they would have to bend their necks to the genoese yoke they cried in despite of the fact that dandolo's loss did not seem to have any very counteractive effect upon the progress that was being made with all necessary warlike preparations the dear good count had loved to live in peace and quietness preferring to follow the wondrous courses of the stars rather than the problematical complications of state policy he understood how to arrange a procession on easter day better than how to lead an army the object now was to elect a doge who endowed at one and the same time with the valour and genius of a war captain and with skill in statecraft should save venice now tottering on her foundations from the threatening power of her bold and ever bolder enemy but when the senators assembled there was none but what had a gloomy face hopeless looks and head bent earthwards and resting on his supporting hand where were they to find a man who could seize the unguided helm and direct the bark of the state aright at last the oldest of the councillors called marino Bodereri, lifted up his voice and said you will not find him here around us or amongst us direct your eyes to avignon upon marino falieri whom we sent to congratulate pope innocent on his elevation to the papal dignity he can find better work to do now he's the man for us let us choose him doge to stem this current of adversity you will urge by way of objection that he is now almost eighty years old that his hair and beard are white as silver that his blithe appearance fiery eye and the deep red of his nose and cheeks are to be ascribed as his traducers maintain to good cypress wine rather than to energy of character but heed not that remember what conspicuous bravery this marino falieri showed as admiral of the fleet in the black sea and bear in mind the great services which prevailed with the procurators of st mark to invest this falieri with the rich countship of valdemarino thus highly did bodoreri extol falieri's virtues and he had a ready answer for all objections so that at length all voices were unanimous in electing falieri several however still continued to allude to his hot passionate temper his ambition and his self-will but they were met with the reply and it is exactly because all these have gone from the old man that we choose the greybeard falieri and not the youth falieri and these censuring voices were completely silenced when the people learning upon whom the choice had fallen greeted it with the loudest and most extravagant demonstrations of delight do we not know that in such dangerous times in times of such tension and unrest any resolution that really is a resolution is accepted as an inspiration from heaven thus it came to pass that the dear good count and all his gentleness and piety were forgotten 
and every one cried by saint mark this merino ought long ago to have been our doge and then we should not have had yon arrogant doria before our very doors and crippled soldiers painfully lifted up their wounded arms and cried that is falieri who beat the morbasan the valiant captain whose victorious banners waved in the black sea wherever a knot of people gathered there was one amongst them telling of falieri's heroic deeds and as though doria were already defeated the air rang with wild shouts of triumph an additional reason for this was that nicolo pisani who heaven knows why instead of going to meet doria with his fleet had coolly sailed away to sardinia was now returned doria withdrew from the lagoon and what was really due to the approach of pisani's fleet was ascribed to the formidable name of marino falieri then the people in the signori were seized by a kind of frantic ecstasy that such an auspicious choice had been made and as an uncommon way of testifying the same it was determined to welcome the newly elected doge as if he were a messenger from heaven bringing honour victory and abundance of riches twelve nobles each accompanied by a numerous retinue in rich dresses had been sent by the signori to verona where the ambassadors of the republic were again to announce to falieri on his arrival with all due ceremony his elevation to the supreme office in the state then fifteen richly decorated vessels of state equipped by the podesta of chioggia and under the command of his own son taddeo giustiniani took the doge and his attendant company on board at chioza and now they moved on like the triumphal procession of a most mighty and victorious monarch to st clement's where the bucentaur was awaiting the doge at this very moment namely when marino falieri was about to set foot on board the bucentaur and that was on the evening of the third of october about sunset a poor unfortunate man lay stretched at full length on the hard marble pavement in front of the custom-house a few rags of striped linen of a colour now no longer recognisable the remains of what apparently had once been a sailor's dress such as was worn by the very poorest of the people porters and assistant oarsmen hung about his lean starved body there was not a trace of a shirt to be seen except the poor fellow's own skin which peeped through his rags almost everywhere and was so white and delicate that the very noblest need not have been shy or ashamed of it accordingly his leanness only served to display more fully the perfect proportions of his well-knit frame a careful scrutiny of the unfortunate's light chestnut hair now hanging all tangled and dishevelled about his exquisitely beautiful forehead his blue eyes dimmed with extreme misery his roman nose his fine formed lips he seemed to be not more than twenty years old at the most inevitably suggested that he was of good birth and had by some adverse turn of fortune been thrown amongst the meanest classes of the people as remarked the youth lay in front of the pillars of the custom-house his head resting on his right arm and his eyes riveted in a vacant stare upon the sea 
without movement or change of posture an observer might well have fancied that he was devoid of life or that death had fixed him there whilst turning him into an image of stone had not a deep sigh escaped him from time to time as if wrung from him by unutterable pain and they were in fact occasioned by the pain of his left arm which had apparently been seriously wounded and was lying stretched out on the pavement wrapped up in bloody rags all labour had ceased the hum of trade was no longer heard all venice in thousands of boats and gondolas was gone out to meet the much lauded falieri hence it was that the unhappy youth was sighing away his pain in utter helplessness but just as his weary head fell back upon the pavement and he seemed on the point of fainting a hoarse and very querulous voice cried several times in succession antonio my dear antonio at length antonio painfully raised himself partly up and turning his head towards the pillars of the custom-house whence the voice seemed to proceed he replied very faintly and in a scarce intelligible voice who is calling me who has come to cast my dead body into the sea where it will soon be all over with me then a little shrivelled wrinkled crone came up panting and coughing hobbling along by the aid of her staff she approached the wounded youth and squatting down beside him she burst out into a most repulsive chuckling and laughing you foolish child you foolish child whispered the old woman are you going to perish here will you stay here to die while a golden fortune is waiting for you look yonder look yonder at yon blazing fire in the west there are sequins for you but you must eat dear antonio eat and drink for it's only hunger which has made you fall down here on this cold pavement your arm is now quite well again yes that it is antonio recognized in the old crone the singular beggar-woman who was generally to be seen on the steps of the franciscan church chuckling to herself and laughing and soliciting alms from the worshippers he himself urged by some inward inexplicable propensity had often thrown her a hard-earned penny which he had not had to spare leave me leave me in peace you insane old woman he said but you are right it is hunger more than my wound which has made me weak and miserable for three days i have not earned a farthing i wanted to go over to the monastery and see if i could get a spoonful or two of the soup that is made for invalids but all my companions have gone there is not one to have compassion upon me and take me in his barca and now i have fallen down here and shall i expect never get up again hi 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 chuckled the old woman why do you begin to despair so soon why lose heart so quickly you are thirsty and hungry but i can help you here are a few fine dried fish which i bought only to-day in the mint here is lemon juice and a piece of nice white bread eat my son and then we will look at the wounded arm and the old woman proceeded to bring forth fish bread and lemon juice from the bag which hung like a hood down her back and also projected right above her bent head as soon as antonio had moistened his parched and burning lips with the cool drink 
he felt the pangs of hunger return with double fury and he greedily devoured the bread and the fish meanwhile the old woman was busy unwrapping the rags from his wounded arm and it was found that though it was badly crushed the wound was progressing favourably towards healing the old woman took a salve out of a little box and warmed it with the breath of her mouth and as she rubbed it on the wound she asked but who then has given you such a nasty blow my poor boy antonio was so refreshed and charged anew with vital energy that he had raised himself completely up his eyes flashed and he shook his doubled fist above his head crying oh that rascal nicolo he tried to maim me because he envies me every wretched penny that any generous hand bestows upon me you know old dame that i barely managed to hold body and soul together by helping to carry bales of goods from ships and freight boats to the depot of the germans the so-called fontego of course you know the building directly antonio uttered the word fontego the old woman began to chuckle and laugh most abominably and to mumble fontego 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 have done with your insane laughing if i am to go on with my story added antonio angrily at once the old woman grew quiet and antonio continued after a time i saved a little bit of money and bought a new jerkin so that i looked quite fine and then i got enrolled amongst the gondoliers as i was always in a blithe humour worked hard and knew a great many good songs i soon earned a good deal more than the rest this however awakened my comrades envy they blackened my character to my master so that he turned me adrift and everywhere where i went or where i stood they cried after me german cur cursed heretic three days ago as i was helping to unload a boat near st sebastian they fell upon me with sticks and stones i defended myself stoutly but that malicious nicolo dealt me a blow with his oar which grazed my head and severely injured my arm and knocked me on the ground ay you've given me a good meal old woman and i am sure i feel that your salve has done my arm a world of good see i can already move it easily now i shall be able to row bravely again antonio had risen up from the ground and was swinging his arm violently backwards and forwards but the old woman again fell to chuckling and laughing loudly whilst she hobbled round about him in the most extraordinary fashion dancing with short tripping steps as it were and she cried my son my good boy my good lad row on bravely he is coming he is coming the gold is shining red in the bright flames row on stoutly row on but only once more only once more and then never again end of part seven section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine